September 26, 2009, life was pretty normal in Quezon City that day. The sun was out and shining. People were in their usual business. And I remember myself being at church, working with the other church staff. It was a Saturday and as such, the students were in their physical education classes or Saturday activities, while we on the church side were eagerly anticipating our Saturday evening worship service back then. We were on our normal workday in the office, going through our usual routines. And outside the church, the groceries, the malls, the stores were also open as usual and people were doing their usual weekend activities with their families. Everything seemed normal. It felt just like any other ordinary day until it started to rain. And it rained like there was no tomorrow. The rain continued to pour through the afternoon. And as you know, the major roads and streets around Grace Village and Banawe started to flood. After an hour of rain, the flood waters started to rise from ankle deep to chest deep to first floor and second floor deep. I remember going home earlier than usual at 3 p.m. so that I can avoid the flood waters. But little did I know, the road going to our house was already flooded chest deep. So I had no choice but to use my Spider-Man skills and hold on to the side fence while walking sideways as I pass through the flood waters. It was a first-time experience, an adventure, or so I thought. After hearing the news the following day, we were shocked to hear that this tropical storm, Ketsana, locally known as Ondoy, had swept through Metro Manila and brought a month's worth of rain in just 12 hours. Devastating many, including many here in our church today. September 26, 2009, what I thought was another ordinary smooth sailing day became an unforgettable day because of that tropical storm. That day also taught me a lesson. Storms can happen anytime and to everyone. Our passage today, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41, is an incident where the disciples encountered a sudden severe storm while they were crossing the Sea of Galilee. A seemingly ordinary day during the earlier phases of the ministry of Jesus, but little did the disciples know that this ordinary day would be an opportunity for Jesus to teach His disciples about His character. In our text today, we will see a clear expression not only of our Savior's divinity, which is the very purpose why this story was written in the book of Mark, but also His humanity. Prior to this incident in Mark chapter 4, the Lord has taught His disciples some parables about His kingdom. He has also shown His disciples His power over demons, over sicknesses, over diseases. And what He will display this time as an additional proof to His divinity is His power over nature, the storm, the strong winds, and the waters. This storm incident would be the instrument that God would use to teach His disciples not only that He is God and that He has the power to control, but also that they are safe with Him, with Jesus, and thus they can trust Him fully. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41, it says, On the same day, when evening had come, He said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves 
beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? As we look into this text, we will learn from this storm experience of the disciples because many times, storms happen in our lives as well. Storms that will drown us in fear and in panic. Storms, perhaps not just the literal storms, but particularly also the storms of life that test our faith. These are the challenges, the trials that God allows to take place in our lives. It is important that we learn from this story and identify biblical principles that will help prepare us for the eventual storms that we will encounter in our lives. Let's look at our text. Verse 35, on that same day, this same day goes back to the earlier parts of chapter 4 when they had a full and tiring day of ministry work where Jesus was exposed to the large crowds that were following him. It was, I would say, a normal day of ministry for Jesus, speaking and teaching parables to large crowds, and perhaps also doing many other ministries along the way. Jesus said to his disciples in verse 35, Let us go over to the other side, meaning they will, be, uh, they will need to ride a boat and cross over the Sea of Galilee in order to reach the other side, which according to chapter 5 is Gerasenes, where Jesus will continue his ministry. We will notice in verse 36 that when they had left the multitude that was following Jesus, the disciples took Jesus along in the boat as he was. No more changing of loads, no more shower time, and they started to sail along the Sea of Galilee together with some other little boats. This will be the start of what seemed like an ordinary boat ride but later, we will know that we'll, this will become a memorable one as this will be the venue, the arena, where the disciples will experience a sudden severe storm and they will witness the great power of Jesus over nature. The disciples were with their leader, Jesus, and they were in for an adventurous, life-changing boat ride in the Sea of Galilee. I've never been to the Sea of Galilee but according to biblical scholars, it is the lowest freshwater lake on earth, 700 feet below sea level, and it is surrounded by tall and steep mountains. Some actually visualize it like a cup. It's a small body of water with tall mountains around it. What is unique about the Sea of Galilee is that because of its landscape and geographical situation, it is very prone to severe weather conditions that can easily and quickly arise. This would not be an issue if the disciples were riding a Titanic or a big cruise ship, but they were not. The disciples were riding a small boat. Boats during those times were just around 27 feet with a pointed bow or the front part and a rounded stern area or the back part. It was 8 feet wide and 4 feet in height and it can hold around 15 to 18 people. And so it is in this type of boat that they started to sail along 
calmly as the waters were still peaceful during, the, during that time. But not until verse 37. This is where we can see that storms in life can happen to anyone, anytime, simply because we are not in control of everything. In fact, as evident in our text, even when you are a follower or a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ, storms in life can and will take place. Verse 37 says, And a great windstorm arose. This was an unexpected storm. According to the original word that was used, the description great refers to a mega, severe, severe storm, a hurricane level, a whirlwind type. There was a furious, violent storm that arose and tall waves collided and perhaps tossed their small boats around. We don't know if it was fiercer than Typhoon Ondoy or Yolanda, which destroyed and devastated many places, but what we are sure of is that the disciples were in a dangerous, life-threatening boat ride situation. The Bible tells us in verse 37 that the storm and waves were so strong that it beat up the boat and that their boat was filling up with water. No wonder the disciples were in fear and panic, scrambling to survive. Perhaps they themselves who were experienced fishermen and who were accustomed to the sea, knew that it was something they could no longer handle. It was a scary, dangerous, frightening situation for the disciples, and not to mention, this incident happened in the evening, which adds to the feelings of terror. Isn't it true that many times life seems to simply sail along peacefully until one instance, one event, Everything is changed. You get a phone call from a doctor or a relative. You hear a bad news. You get the results of an exam, a deal that didn't push through. You discover something bad and so on. Many times we are caught by surprise and we are overwhelmed by a storm we feel is too much for us to handle. And there is that great temptation when we get so overwhelmed by the storms of life, that we start to doubt God's character. Because we can see in this incident in Mark chapter 4, that number one, that storms can lead us to question God's goodness and faithfulness to us. Remember, the disciples have already been walking with Jesus. They know and they have seen the Lord's goodness and power and ability. Yet, they still questioned and doubted Him during this time of great difficulty. That is just how storms in life can affect our faith in God. Verse 38, But He, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke Him and said to Him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Notice the contrast. While the disciples were struggling to survive, Jesus was quietly and peacefully asleep at the back of the boat on a pillow. He was asleep perhaps because he was so tired from the full day of ministry work that he had been doing that same day. You know, it's just normal even for Jesus who is 100% God and 100% human to fall asleep, to rest, and to recharge. But times when we are also so tired and so sleepy that we also fall asleep regardless of the situation around us. But the disciples saw perhaps Jesus sleep, not as resting, but as otherwise. 
they saw Jesus sleep as non-involvement in what they are going through, a lack of concern or negligence. They thought that He didn't care at all, maybe because they were just overwhelmed with fear and panic during that moment. But regardless of what they were thinking, we see that how we view God is actually very important because it will affect how you respond to the situations around you. Look at their response. And they awoke him, Jesus, and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? In other translations, it says, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? How can, you be, how can you afford to be asleep while everyone else is trying to survive from drowning to death? What a question or what an accusation or an assumption. This response is a response that seems to show a lack of trust and faith in Jesus. Whatever it is that they have seen and learned from Jesus seem to no longer matter now. Because of the storms that they are going through, they start to question God. Do you not care? They question God's character. They question His goodness in caring for them. Do you not care if we drown? Now they question God's faithfulness in protecting them. How many times have we also asked the same question to God during our moments of difficulty? You know, it's a common temptation to question God during the most trying times of our lives. In fact, even in the Bible, it has happened many times. In Psalm 10, verse 1, it says, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning, O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And the disciples themselves were also questioning Jesus' faithfulness to them during this time of difficulty. While we are imperfect human beings, I hope that we could be aware and avoid this temptation when God sends us into storms. Chippy the bird never saw it coming. One second, he was peacefully perched inside his cage. The next second, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. The problem began when Chippy's owner decided to clean his cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck the hose of the vacuum cleaner inside the cage. The phone rang. She turned to pick it up. She had barely said hello when Chippy the bird got sucked in. The bird owner gasped, put down the phone, and turned off the vacuum and opened the bag. There was Chippy, still alive but stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and dirt, she grabbed him and raced to the bathroom, turned on the faucet, and held Chippy under the running water. Then, realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any other compassionate bird owner would do. She reached for the hair dryer and blasted Chippy with hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. After a few days of trauma, the reporter who had initially written about the event contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. 
He just sits and stares. It's hard not to see why. Sucked in, washed up, and blown over. That's enough to steal the song even from the stoutest heart. We may feel like chippy sometimes. Sucked in, washed up, and blown over by the storms in our lives. Always remember to look back at God's track record, His faithfulness throughout all generations, and even today, how He has helped you overcome storms that you have encountered in your life so that we won't end up questioning God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives. Storms of life can lead us to question God's goodness and faithfulness to us. What the disciples didn't know during this time was that Jesus was going to use this stormy experience in order to teach them more about Himself and even about the storm. Because number two, even the greatest storms are still completely under God's knowledge, control, and power. As we encounter storms, it will greatly help us when we know that everything that happens in life is still under God's sovereign knowledge, control, and power, and that nothing is beyond His capability to control. Unlike us, God won't be surprised with anything new. One question that God would not ask is, how do I handle this? How do I operate this? How do I deal with this situation? He wouldn't be caught off guard or by surprise because everything is within His sovereignty. He is God. He knows everything, past, present, and future. And He can do anything, even those that are beyond our imagination and expectation, which is exactly what we will read in verse 39. Verse 39, Then He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. As a response to the disciples' cry of fear, the Lord showed immediate action. He showed His great power and control over nature. This violent storm that brought fear and panic to the disciples was not a cause of concern for Jesus. Normally, we don't speak to inanimate objects because we know that they won't respond. But in this case, even the inanimate, the wind, the water, the waves, the storm responded to the commands of Jesus. That just shows us how powerful He is. This is so true in many instances in the Bible. We see the power of the words of Jesus. Lazarus, who was dead, Jesus said to him, Come forth! And we are told that Lazarus rose from the dead in John chapter 11. In John chapter 5, a person who had been lame and bedridden for 38 years, Jesus' words to him were, Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. And he arose, took his bed, and started walking. Such is the power of our Lord God. With a word, he spoke the universe into existence, and everything that came into existence, whether visible or invisible, were created through him and for him. And when he speaks, everything follows. And now to nature, the storm. His word was, peace, be still. Even if the raging storms wanted to continue to rage, it can't because Jesus commanded it to stop and it has no choice but to follow. 
the once violent and raging storm in verse 39 became completely calm and quiet instantaneously. Usually and scientifically, the waves and the winds should have taken some time before it would totally and completely calm down. But what we see in this incident is truly the power of God. All creation, nature, wind, water, and waves obey Him. Everything was perfect, perfectly calm at His word in an instant. This shows us that it is God's word that can bring peace to our fearful hearts. And not only that, but also that God's power and faithfulness can be best experienced during stormy, turbulent times of our lives. Look at what happened to the disciples. The great fear in verse 37 became a great calm in verse 39. So the question of the disciples in verse 37, Do you not care if we perish or if we drown? Now they know that Jesus cares for them. And they also know now that they won't perish or drown when Jesus is in their boat. But not only that, now also they have learned firsthand that God Jesus is in control even of the storms. Someone said, the only way God can show us He is in control is to put us in situations we can't control. Truly, the disciples were not in control, but God was. When you know that God is in control, you, you can be at peace even in the midst of storms. Charles Spurgeon said, when you go through a trial or a storm, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. Anything under God's control is really never out of control. In reality, I was thinking, do you think that the safety of the disciples relied on how fast they could clear out the water? Did it depend on their ability to stay alive? Or did it depend on God's ability to protect and to keep them through the storm? Because if God cannot protect them, who can? On the other hand, if it is God who protects them, I believe no one can harm them. The storm that brought fear and panic to the disciples, Jesus just slept through it. And the lesson that He has just taught His disciples and even us today is that no storms in life, no matter how great it is, is beyond God's knowledge, power, and ability to control. He is not surprised by any storms. And let us not focus on the storm because that will only bring fear. But let us focus instead on God who handles and controls the storm. Many times we also feel helpless because of the storms that seem to be beyond our control. Metaphorically, it could be a health issue for us, a financial crisis, a health crisis, family relationship issues, careers, our businesses not doing well, our future is uncertain, and so on. These things truly make us afraid. But let us be encouraged in that even the greatest storms are still completely under God's knowledge, control, and power. He will see us through, so let us focus on Him who provides peace even in the midst of the greatest storms that we may face every day. A man who had just got married was returning home with his wife. They were crossing a lake in a boat when suddenly a great storm arose. The man was a warrior, but the woman became very afraid because it seemed hopeless since the boat was small and it seemed 
that any moment that they were going to be drowned. But the man remained silent. He was at peace. He was calm and quiet as if nothing was happening. The woman, on the other hand, was terrified and trembling and asked, Are you not afraid? This may be our last moments together. Only some miracle can save us. Otherwise, death is sure. The man laughed and took his sword out of his sheath. The woman was even more puzzled, thinking, What is he planning to do? Then he brought his sword close to the woman's neck, almost touching it. He said, Are you afraid? She started to laugh and answered, Why should I be afraid? If the sword is in the hands of someone who loves me, why should I be afraid? He put the sword back and said, You got the answer. I know God loves us and the storm is in His hands. Friends, let us rest in the fact that storms, no matter how great, are still completely under God's knowledge, control, and power. And let us focus not on the storms, but on God. Because when we are certain of that, we will realize that number three, storms teach us that we can trust and have faith in God even in the most dangerous of circumstances. Jesus revealed to the disciples that when the storms seem to drown and overwhelm us, we can always choose to trust and believe in Him who cares for us and who stays with us all the time. Look at the response of Jesus in verse 40. He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? After rebuking the storm, Jesus turned to His disciples and immediately asked them two interesting questions. I don't think He is angry or frustrated with the disciples' lack of faith, but these questions are, I believe, to convince them to trust Him even more. He asked them, Why are you so afraid? How is it that you still have no faith? After all that we've gone through together, after having received His teachings, His personal claims about Himself, after having seen how He miraculously healed the sick people and the many other powerful works of His hands, Jesus is amazed and He asked them, How could you still not have enough faith in Me? I know it's hard because there are many things that can cause us to worry. Many times, aren't we also like the disciples? Even if we have seen and have heard and have studied about God, there are times we still find it difficult to fully trust and rely on God, especially when we are going through the storms in our lives. When you think about the question of Jesus to His disciples, it actually implies that we can actually be unafraid even in difficult times when we have Jesus with us. When God is in our boat, we can relax because God is in control. And even the seemingly negative situations such as storms that we encounter can turn out not just for our own good, but also for our growth in the faith and in our appreciation of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. I heard a story about a king in Africa who had a close friend with whom he had grown up. The friend had a habit of looking at every situation that occurred in his life, whether positive or negative, and remarking 
This is good. One day, the king and his friend were out on a hunting expedition. The friend would load and prepare the guns for the king. The friend had apparently done something wrong in preparing one of the guns, for after taking the gun from his friend, the king fired it and his thumb was blown off. Examining the situation, the friend remarked as usual, This is good. To which the king replied, No, this is not good. And proceeded to send his friend to jail. About a year later, the king was hunting in an area wherein he should have known not to hunt. Cannibals captured him and took them to their village. They tied his hands, stuck some wood, set up a stake, and bound him to the stake. As they came close to set the fire to the wood, they noticed that the king was missing a thumb. Being superstitious, they never ate anyone who was less than whole. So untying the king, they sent him on his way. As he returned home, he was reminded of the event that had taken his thumb and felt remorse for his treatment of his friend. He went immediately to the jail to speak with his friend. He said, You were right. It was good that my thumb was blown off. And he proceeded to tell the friend all that had just happened. And so I am very sorry for sending you to jail for so long. It was bad for me to do this. No, his friend replied, this is good. What do you mean this is good? How could it be good that I sent my friend to jail for a year? If I had not been to jail, I would have been with you and I would have been eaten. God can turn the seemingly bad storms even for our own good and lead us to a greater appreciation of His sovereignty and protection over us when we put our faith in Him. After seeing what Jesus has done to the storm, if I was one of the disciples during that time, there would be a variety of responses that I would have. That number one, I would be shocked because when He woke up, I would probably have simply expected that He would help clear out the water in the boat, but instead, He completely stopped the storm. And second, I would have been completely amazed to see the power of Jesus calming the storm instantly. And third, I would be embarrassed that after all that Jesus has allowed me to experience, that I would still respond to Him that way. The question of Jesus to the disciples is His question to me also and to all of us today. Why are you so afraid? What is it that causes fear and panic and anxiety and worry in us. Christian book writer John Beaver puts it correctly, God never leads us into storms that He does not give us the power to overcome. That is why time and time again, the Scriptures remind us of the kind of God that we have. Psalm 46, one of the most famous passages says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. In verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Joshua 1.9, when Joshua was about to face a storm in his life, when his great leader Moses died, Joshua was about to take the lead. 
he was hesitant and fearful if he could lead a million people who were rebelling, who were grumbling, and who were complaining. God's very words to Joshua were not the battle plans or effective leadership skills or how, how to make all things well. But God said to him, Do not be afraid. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. Psalm 23, a well-known passage, says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The Bible reminds us, if God is with us, we can actually overcome any storm that we will face in our lives. Notice the second question of Jesus to his disciples. How is it that you still have no faith? Meaning to say, all the things that Jesus taught them and showed them were meant to build up their faith and understanding of who Jesus is so that instances such as this storm would only provide an opportunity for the disciples to exercise their faith in God. A faith not that things will go well nor that storms will cease, but a faith that knows that in spite and despite of the situation and circumstances around us, the God who is with us cares for us and that He watches over us even when it doesn't feel like it. Because our faith is based not on the blessings, on the prosperity, on the healing, on the well-being, but on the unchanging character of our God. Christian author Oswald, Oswald Chambers puts it, Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. Faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. Because definitely there will be times in our lives when like this, in this story, that God may seem silent, uninvolved, unmoved even by our cries and our pains, even at such a time when we so de desperately need Him. There will be times that our storms are not calmed. This does not mean that He is not there, but it only means that we need to trust and have faith in Jesus. Faith that even when you don't see or feel it, you believe that God is with you and that He continues to watch over you. Verse 41, And the disciples feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey Him? This incident became an avenue for the disciples to know Jesus more. They asked, Who is this? Where did this person come from? Because they recognized that this person that they were with was not like any one of them. He is someone who is greater, more powerful, because he is the Son of God who controls the winds, the waves, and who was with them all the time. The early American Indians had a unique practice of training their young braves. On the night of the boy's 13th birthday, after learning hunting, scouting, and fishing skills, he was put to one final test. He was placed in a dense forest to spend the night alone. Until then, he had never been away from the security of his family and the tribe. But on this night, he was blindfolded and taken several miles away. When he took off the blindfold, he was in the middle of a thick wood and he was terrified. Every time a twig snapped, he visualized a wild animal ready to pounce on him. After what seemed like an eternity, dawn broke 
and the first ray of sunlight entered the interior of the forest. Looking around, the boy saw flowers, trees, and the outline of the path. Then, to his utter astonishment, he beheld the figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with a bow and an arrow. It was his father. He had been there all night long. Our Heavenly Father watches over us as well. In fact, God is with us so that we can be at peace even in the midst of the storms in our lives. Storms teach us that we can trust and have faith in God even in the most dangerous of circumstances. As I close, I know storms in life is something we all have to deal with. And may God continue to show Himself faithful to each one of us as we continue to trust and rely on Him during the quiet and peaceful times of our lives and also during the stormy and turbulent times of our lives. So when God sends you into a storm, let us take these with us. At number one, storms can lead us to question God's goodness and faithfulness to us. Number two, even the greatest of storms are still completely under God's knowledge, control, and power. Number three, storms teach us that we can trust and have faith in God even in the most dangerous of circumstances. Let me leave you with this encouragement. When God is with you, there is no storm too great enough that you cannot overcome. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we have heard your voice. You are our loving Father who watches over us and you are the one who will help us overcome any storm that we will face in our lives. Guide us, O Lord, bless us, and empower us to put our faith in you all the days of our lives. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Music